the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. With us, I'm, uh, I guess we're up there all right. Uh, Jacob and I are just ready to get started on a brand new year, a brand new journey through the scriptures. This book of books. Let me see. There's something um, now. There, there's something different here, John, on the board. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Actually, hit a I was hearing you tell you move that button over here to I'm your gonna, right, I'm and gonna, then I went away. I hadn't moved the button yet. Yes, you did. But, right there, that one. Anyway, John, that normally is not pushed normally. Okay. Right? Is that help do anything, making a difference? Do you hear anything? Well, let's I, I, get going on the program. Okay. All right. I'll, t- I'll try to watch the monitor and okay. see. I, I think I'm talking. Well, you are talking, that's for sure. Uh, I think it might. Do you see yeah, my you're there. there you I go. think it's so. uh, We are starting to, our way through the Bible again this, this, for this year. This last week we read the opening chapters, the first 21 chapters of the book of Genesis. Uh, did which that means, all in a half an hour, right? Which means the beginnings. Yeah. Actually. No, those are all four nights, Monday, Tuesday, well, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. 21 chapters. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, 21 chapters in, in 30 minutes, it would be a little tough to do, but we got them covered in four nights. And so tonight we're here ready to talk a little bit about all things Genesis, all things beginning. Um, and to get you to give us a call and be a part of the program as well, we'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. That's our phone number, 210-340-9585. And we're going to talk a little, try to be in an orderly uh, way a little bit, trying to take the book of Genesis. Um, I, I think now, I'm, I can't be sure of this, uh, that we're fairly aware, uh, our audience is probably fairly aware of the content. Now, I don't know about that for sure. Um, uh, okay, I'm fairly aware of the content. Let me see. We've got a caller already, and we've our screener is not in his place. But we're fairly aware of the, of the content, the details of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and so on. And we have our Bibles open up before us as well. So 
Um, we have the book of Genesis. We're going to talk a little bit about the in the broad view, the broad picture of of what we see in the book of Genesis, how uh, the 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 origin. Uh, not using the word the beginnings or ne- necessarily the beginning, even the word creation. Uh, Jacob has talked. We talked earlier. Let's use the word origin, the beginning of how did everything that we see around us today, the the sun, the moon, the stars, this this system that we live in here on planet Earth. Uh, how did it begin, and how did we, we get to where we are? Today, that's part of what the book of Genesis starts with, at least the origin, the beginnings of everything that exists. And so uh, we're trying not to get too confusing and caught up in words of, you know, evolution and adaptation and this and that and the other. But uh, go to the very core meaning is where does this, where did this system that we live in, uh, this planet, these oceans, if you watch uh, National Geographic, or if you watch BBC, you watch the, 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 the planet and so on, where did, where did this come from? And you essentially, uh, we'll talk about it more in depth, but you essentially have two possibilities, uh, either came from nothing and just total absolute just chance somehow out of billions and billions and billions and that's why of course those who have that view have to have to include the billions and billions of years because that's the only way they could get somehow the possibility of of the impossible happening uh with giving billions and billions of years but anyway the other option of course is that there is a creator so, in other words, one of those breaks every rule of science. All of the laws of science that we know about are broken by the idea that it just happened by chance, just started all of this order and all this beauty and all this uh, complexity uh, came about just totally and absolutely by chance. That breaks every rule of science. Now, on the other hand, if there is a creator, a being, and we're not talking yet about the nature of that being, but if there is a being, a greater uh, incredible intelligence and power that created this system, that doesn't break the rules of the system. Uh, that is just saying that, well, that that's giving an explanation. A greater power at work created this system with all of its processes and so on. So at least in that, in that basis, the creator does not is not anti-scientific in that sense. It's just going to a level of a science that is beyond what we understand anything about today. If you, if you understand my meaning, uh, I'm, I'm trying to kind of get the big picture, uh, broad understanding of it. Uh, Jacob, as we approach the book of Genesis, I know you have a couple of thoughts in mind as well um, from the book of Genesis and, and the chapters, especially when we get down to the books, uh, to the choice of Abraham. Essentially, you see the creation story in Genesis, what, first three or four chapters? The, uh, well, I, the I origins see, I, sort of thing. Yeah, I see the creation. Uh, obviously, the Bible it's not a science book. It's a book of history and religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's no doubt about it. I agree with you. It's certainly about the God creating. Yeah, it doesn't explain how he did it necessarily, but just Well, he does give it. us uh, a process. Mm-hmm. So we know there is a process. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's an old Jewish saying, I don't know how old, it says, mankind, man and woman, 
was first in mind, last in creation. Okay. Because yeah. it was a goal that yeah. God was working towards. Yeah, and we see that in the opening chapters. And then it gets into immediately uh, moving from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And so we immediately get into this, generally speaking, I don't know what you would call it, the term would be this conflict or this separation within the human race between those who desire God, seek God, want God, worship God the true God, the Creator, and those who do not. So we begin to see these two these two tracks, right, that the human race begins to divide into well, those. I'm going to suggest it's worse than that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. going to suggest from 1 to chapter 6 is uh, it's not evolution, it's devolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, They're going mm-hmm. down. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a struggle between man be choosing to be a religious, spiritual being, if you will, following God's ways, uh-huh. God's laws, or man choosing to be an animal. And that makes man a worse animal than a cat or a dog, because a cat or a dog has no idea of God's laws. The people that disregard it do, but yet they choose to be worse than an animal. And then so God brings So, so that animal. brings it into the, into the area of, of evil. Uh, we don't think of a, an animal as evil. That's right. Because they, they An- are instinctive. Animals are just animals. They're ma- not right. making a conscious decision That's to right. say, okay. Uh-huh. But that, the, the fact that human, human beings have intellect and reason right. and will, that adds an element of wickedness. I mean, the, the, that's where we get the idea that... And I'm going to suggest the, the sort of unifying theme that nobody talks about is... Putting the story together from Adam to Cain and Abel to Noah uh, and then to Adam. And Abraham. Adam, uh, Abraham, sorry. Uh, I'm going to suggest there's a theme there that we te- we're tending to overlook. Okay. I'd like to take credit for it, but it's not my <laughs> We'll let you anyway, though, if you want but, to. But uh, I'll take credit for sharing. <laughs> All but, right. Okay, so what it is is the failure of the fathers in the home. Now, if I can say that's going to be our theme, I think I can substantiate that. And then if you got that theme, as you go through these stories, you'll start seeing whose fault this is. It's not the women. It's the fathers in the home. The women will like that, I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm sure they will. And, and <laughs> I'm not just saying to pander. Mm-hmm. I'm actually saying that seems to be okay. the theme. We'll take a look at it as we move through the, uh, the book of Genesis tonight. We already have a caller, one who is calling yeah. in. Larry yeah. is wanting to His sound off a little Larry. bit about the book oh, of Genesis, and tomorrow's perhaps. Veterans Day, you know. All right. Yeah, Are you a veteran? I uh, know I'm a veteran of many things, but not of uh, military service. I understand. But you, you, do, are. you do go to military bases every Sunday and provide mm-hmm, preachers, mm-hmm, don't you? Mm-hmm. So we'll count that. Okay. All right. Why don't you go ahead and talk to Larry, and I'll just right. kind of hang around. Larry's talking. He's listening to us. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Good to hear from you. I'm doing great. I was listening to what you said. You had to say, and I think this goes right along with it. Good to hear from you. Go go for it. I'd like to say that there's two kinds of Christians. There are the elect, and there, there are those who think they are Christians that find themselves voting for dead babies, for the homosexual agenda, for the uh, empowerment of Muslims who want to kill everybody that's not a Muslim. 
Uh, well, uh, you said a lot in that one sentence, uh, and I think you're going to agree quite a bit with, with some things that uh, Jacob is going to be pointing out from the scriptures here as well. But yeah, there, there's. I, I don't think language is all we have, isn't it, Larry? The words are all we have to express, and uh, the the word Christian and the word I'm spiritual and I'm. I'm uh, anybody can claim to be anything, and yet uh, it seems to me that if, if one is going to follow, call himself a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, there would be an adherence to the scriptures that Jesus Christ honored and taught, and to God's laws and to God's word. And uh, I agree with you. I'm 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 flummoxed. I am absolutely. Uh, confused by some people who uh, call themselves, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a spiritual man, whatever, and and just everything they stand for goes against everything that uh, the, the scriptures seem to clearly tell us. I I don't get it either, Larry. All I can say is that I, I think in, even in the times of Jesus, he ran into that sort of thing. Uh, people who claimed one thing to be this or that or the other, and um, I I don't know if there's an absolute answer to your to the problem that you you bring up there, except to just keep proclaiming the the true clear message so, so of God. So, and Larry, mm-hmm. let me present a dilemma. Do you know the difference between a dilemma and a polemic? I don't know. I know one's ever asked me that question before, so okay, well, I would take a guess, but I think you could tell a, me. But a, a dilemma is where you've got to choose between a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. I'm on the horns of a dilemma. Mm-hmm. But a polemic is something that's irresolvable. So I don't think what Larry's presenting. Are you there, Larry? Yeah, buddy. Okay. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Good buddy. Anyway, listen, uh, I uh, I don't think it's a polemic because I think it is resolvable. And, and Larry... Uh, you know, one of the debates that always take place is it's always the is that you know there's a, everybody says well there's only one God and the question is is it always the same God? May I give you the standard and share the standard with you and Soapy that I use to see if it's the same God? Would you like to know that, Larry? Yes. I thought you were not certainly hoping you'd say yes. Um, it's this: if it's the same God, then he has the same laws. If he says that you're not, you're, uh, one law says if a guy steals a loaf of bread to feed his family because they're hungry, then he has committed an offense. He has to pay for the bread, make restitution somehow. If another religion, say, has a God that says the law is to feed his children when he stole a loaf of bread, he gets his hand cut off, then the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I would say that that shows me that these two different laws cannot come from the same God. Does that make any sense to you, Larry? Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, what I'm saying is if we can articulate that type of standard, and when somebody says to me, well, it's all the same God, I say, if it's the same God, then he has the same rules. My effort many times is to show that the God that some people believe in may not be the God that you believe in because they don't have the same rules. You follow me, Larry? Right on. Okay, good. And that's where the conflict comes about those who would support the killing of an innocent child in the womb for 
some reason. I've never been able to see how anybody sees that as a solution to any problem. Here's a solution. Let's kill the innocent person involved in this problem. <laughs> I, I just, I've never been able to see how anyone sees that as a solution, except for the person who's trying to uh, kind of make life easy for themselves. It's not a matter of thinking of, of other people involved in the situation. But anyway, uh, so I've never been able to understand that either, Larry. And I, I wrestle. I, I don't wrestle with it much. I just stay busy proclaiming the truth about the true and living God and his, what who he is and what he's done on our behalf and and let people sooner or later the the, the scripture says God's going to sort it out <laughs> someday and there will be a reckoning there will be indeed a um a solution to this. Well, let's stay with us. Hang on with us tonight through the program. I hope you'll stay with us, uh, and we're going to continue talking about, it, particularly about the book of of Genesis. And a lot of these problems come out of that book. We sure appreciate you calling in. Let's go to um, Jerome. Pick up Jerome and see what he has to say. Jerome, good to hear from you tonight. He's called Jerome. I was called in before. He's very knowledgeable. Good, good, good. We're talking about essentially tonight, Jerome. We're we're looking at the book of Genesis. And we're talking about origins, beginnings, and, and uh, of course, we'll get into the process uh, later on as we move from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We'll move on into uh, what is the process that's going on on planet Earth. But uh, in, the, in the beginning, in terms of origins, God created as opposed to the idea of it just happened, just kind of Blew up and and, and uh, Sophie does coincidence. Jerome, does Jerome have a comment? I don't know if Jerome does. I hadn't heard from Jerome yet. <laughs> Hi, Jerome. Well, yeah, you're describing uh, the Big Bang theory, and of course, I, I I don't believe in the Big Bang theory, but I do believe in the Big Banger. Um, <laughs> I've not yeah, heard that. Uh, that's good. Excuse me if I uh, I enjoy that a moment. That that's good. No, well, yeah, I, I, a big a, bang. Take a moment and enjoy yourself. Yeah, a big bang. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that this is it's some of the verbiage that kind of gets in the way of any kind of like real conversation. I, I, maybe there was a big bang for all I know. I mean, that all I know in the beginning it says. God created this being beyond our comprehension of intelligence. Actually, may I be a purist for a moment? Created the, the may I be a purist? Sure, the cosmos. Actually, yeah. actually, it doesn't say. I know it translates many times. God created, mm-hmm. but actually, it says in beginning creating. Okay, so it's a verb as opposed to a noun. Well, the the whole thing, uh, guys, is that God God is continuing His creation. That's why I like it's that. a verb. I like that. That's why and, it's a verb. And and Jesus said that right there in John chapter nine, where He was talking about you know that that you you see from work. He says that, but He says, but my Father continues working. So uh, that is the same process of creation continues. Interesting. Renewed. Very it's good. Very enlightening. Jerome's very smart. And, Re- and so renewed, we now, that's why it's a verb. Morning. Renewed every morning. It says that in the Psalms, you know, uh-huh. that God, our God renews every morning his, his creation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that this is the process. And, and of course, you've got to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And so... What, what I find fascinating is that in the first ten chapters of, of the book of Genesis, God is dealing with man and, and his spirit. 
And it says there someplace in chapter 6 of Genesis, it says that my spirit will not always strive with man because he is flesh. And this is only going to be 120 uh, years. Uh-huh. But what's fascinating, that after in chapter 12, we see something happening in this process of God working his plan for man, is that he now not only deals with man's spirit, which, you know, sometimes man is, is both spirit and flesh. So he, he's, he's a, a combo creation. He is, he's both spirit and flesh. And so when God tried to deal with his spirit, it just didn't work. So God has to deal with his flesh as well. And, and he did that by, by interacting with man in a personal relationship. And so the beginning of a personal relationship, guys, started with a guy called Abraham. And, and this is uh, where God deals with man's spirit and his flesh. And then this continues on how God deals with us today through, through the very seed of Abraham, which, you know, came all the way down through, through the offspring of Abraham, which was Jesus, who was both man and spirit as well. Amen. Jerome, let me, uh, I, I, I'll have a question about that as well, but going back to your original idea, I'm wondering if, uh, the idea that you have the idea that creating in in beginning creating right the idea of a verb and that God continues to creative uh, we, we we continue to see the ongoing creative work of God as you said is his uh, I've forgotten the word now or uh, every every morning his mercies I think is um, are renewed every oh, morning yeah, he, or, he, 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 he creates it every morning yeah he in the book of Psalms that, that his, yeah I was his, I was his, trying to remember the passage where it came from is, is, is renewed every morning yeah. would that uh, be would let me ask you this in terms of uh, I, I've often thought that if we look at uh, for example I ask I ask uh, some of the people I teach out at Lackland, the young men and women, we talk about uh, when we're talking about the original sin and how mankind came under the condemnation of sin and so on. And everybody has always asked themselves at one time in their life probably, uh, I don't know why God punishes me for something Adam and Eve did. And, you know, with the idea of original sin and the, the humanity fell under the consequences of sin and all. And I was wondering if that, if this would, go along with your idea of ongoing creation is that essentially uh, every human being on planet Earth who has ever lived, genetically at least, the human potential for every human being was in Adam and Eve, if they are indeed our founding fathers and uh, all of the all of us descended from their uh, the, in generations and generations and so on. But we were all in Adam and Eve. The whole human race was represented in them. Uh, at least we understand that now genetically, at least. So that in that, in that scene, that explains how the whole human race came under the consequences, uh, under the judgment of God for that sin. Uh, and I'm wondering if... if um, if that rings true with you, and also the idea that uh, in the way that God created, He created the procreative potential in human beings. So that was also part of the creation. So every time a human being is born, every baby that is born is, is isn't that also a an expression of the ongoing creative work, even of the original creation? Well, I think Would that be? In, I think you swerved into some truth there, Sophie. Oh, it was uh, accident. I, I, I assure you. <laughs> what what uh, what what I what you have to find out and understand too that in in the process of God's creation of man, remember man was perfect. Uh, Adam uh, did yes. not have a belly button. Okay, he didn't have a belly button. 
He didn't come from anybody's womb. He didn't come. He was created a full man. He he was a man without a belly button. Okay? Uh huh. I I, I can with, see that. Yeah. And with that, he was totally a hundred percent perfect. He there was no sin in him. The first Adam was without sin. He had no sin in him as created. Yes. That. As created, he had not. He said he could have been the perfect man, a man without sin. There was a second man that was also described the same way, uh, without sin, animals mm-hmm. without sin. And so what happens is that in the creation of God, when he made man, we think, well, he made a fallen nature. No, he made a perfect nature. Man, uh, first Adam was without sin, period. And, and, and the, the, the Hebrew calls that the tov, and, and he was goodness in him. There was goodness in man. and. And so that, and God doesn't make junk. Remember that He doesn't mm. create things that that is, is for terrible. Wow. And so the, the the possibility of of the greatness of man is imbued in Him, and the very image and nature of God well, is in Him. Uh, so, Jerome, so Jerome, not to interrupt, Adam, but to interrupt. Adam is amazing. Not to interrupt, not to interrupt, Jerome, but to interrupt. Um, so when Sophie's saying that uh, the, you're physically born as a physical descendant from the uh, Adam and Eve. There's, there's truth in that. But what you're suggesting also is that also in that little baby that Sophie's referring to, he carries with him not possibly just the human nature, the animal nature, but he also carries with him the potential of doing good because, as you just said, Adam and Eve was created perfect, as you said. So he carries both things with him, and that's the choices that take place between Chapter 2 and Chapter 6. In fact, might I, uh, are you familiar when, uh, Jerome, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Do you, uh, you want me to breathe? You want me to breathe hard so you know I'm here? Uh, <laughs> well, we ha- we'll have to take a break here real quick and come All back right. to it. Can you stay with us, Jerome? I sure Through the can. break, we appreciate that very much. Don't go away. And folks, if you're listening tonight, give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation about, and particularly, we're talking about beginnings, origins, uh, the Creator, and as we read in the Book of Genesis, and anything that kind of flows out of that. So. You you can give us a call, 210-340-9585. And don't go away, because the Bible Live will return. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back on The Bible Live. We've got a little kind of a 
country theme going there, John, tonight with that bumper. That, that's, that's good. You, and it kind of fits into the, what we're talking about, the spirit, soul, and the uh, body and all. I thought John picked that on purpose. Let's go in. Uh, yeah, I, I bet up, he let's did. Let's pick up Jerome. Let's pick up Jerome again hey, and Jerome, find out. Try there? to pick up where we were. Yeah, Jerome, are you still there? Yeah, I, I'm still here, gentlemen. I, I wanna, I'm still here. I want to suggest something to you. Like in chapter 4 of Genesis, because I don't dispute what you said, that Adam was created without a belly button. I like that. Uh, we do know this, that when God told Adam, don't eat of the tree, Eve was not separated from Adam at that point. Only Adam got that instruction. But later on, Eve it gets the hit for it. So we know in some way Adam didn't convey the information, but we also know something in chapter 4. You mean to Eve? To Eve. Faithfully. Uh, it seems like it because she said... When she talks to the serpent who uh, is tempting her, right. the, or uh, Satan, right. or, or whoever, she says, uh, we're not to eat or even look at. Touch. And that, or even touch or that, that tree. Right. And that, of course, wasn't part of the instructions, at least, that we read about right. and uh, in, uh, in the book of Genesis. And right. so it looks like that maybe Adam didn't fill her well, in exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, what I want to suggest is where I think it really becomes focused Soapy and Jerome is in chapter 4 mm-hmm. and it's where Cain kills Abel. Are you there Jerome? Interesting. I'm here. I'm here. Now I want to show you because Cain is truly because they're out of the Garden of Eden. They're mm-hmm. now human beings. They had babies. By the way the only time we learn any children's names, human children's names is after they leave the Garden. If they had children before it doesn't tell us, but we sure don't know their names. Mm-hmm. So after they leave the garden and they're human beings, then we learn some names. Now, Cain kills Abel. And as we know in chapter 4, it says, uh, uh, say, it happened on one day they were in the field. That Cain rose up, rose up, actually kind of means that they were already having some kind of conflict and that he grabbed, he did something like he picked up a rock and hit him in the head and killed him. So in verse 9, God comes the Cain said, where is Abel, your brother? And he, Cain, answers. Now, most Bibles use punctuation, as you know. Uh, the Bible does not have, originally, punctuation. So but if I read it like this, I do not know, period. That sounds like he's lying to God. And then it goes, am I my brother's keeper? Now, suppose we read it the historical way without the period. And it says... Uh, I do not know. I am I my brother's keeper? He's saying, I, I, did. I didn't know I'm my brother's keeper. Yeah, I didn't know that. And we know that God accepts that explanation but because he gives him the mark of Cain. And the mark of Cain is to protect him for seven generations so nobody can kill him for seven generations. So it's not, he doesn't zap him right now because this is the first time a murder has happened, obviously, a killing. So he's out here, and what's happening is we know that God seems to understand that because he gives him, he still has to pay the penalty for it, but he lets him have seven generations. He puts a mark on him to protect him for seven generations. So he's, And if he was not taught, the one that would have failed to teach him was Adam. And I'm going to suggest that's the theme throughout. Even when we start getting the split in channel four, uh, chapter four and channel five, chapter five, you find that there's two different groups of people, as Sophie is referring to, mm-hmm. the ones that are following God, 
And the ones that said, I don't, I'm not just not following him, I don't want anything to do with him. We have our own laws. We'll do things our own way. And then as you quoted Jerome in chapter 6, he takes the spirit. He says, I'm not struggling with, you, with mankind because he's nothing but flesh. So he, that's who gets drowned. But Noah lives and his family. So what's happening is, now the theme is, I'm going to suggest, is the failure of the fathers to teach the children. Adam evidently, in some way, failed Eve. Adam evidently failed to teach the correct rules to Cain. He must have, as Sophie said earlier, he must have taught Abel, I'm guessing. But he failed to teach it, cause, and we know that God accepts that because he lets him live for seven generations by protecting him. But there's a famous line that comes up in uh, chapter 9 of Genesis. And it's a famous line that always confuses a lot of people. Noah evidently plants a vineyard. This is not an overnight thing. It takes a while to grow the grapes. He gets drunk. He's in his tent, evidently naked. Well, the failure, and and it says his littlest son which appears to be Ham or Ham. And so, then and the strangest thing is, if you read it this way, verse 24 of chapter 9, Noah woke from his wine and realized what his small son had done to him. Small was the old Hebrew way of saying youngest. And he said, 25, and he said, uh, blessed uh, be the God of Shem, uh, and let Canaan be a slave to them. May uh, And he says, Cursed is Canaan, a slave of slaves he shall be to his brothers. Now, our logic tends to think, us, uh, think of one thing. It's Cain and Ham, is that what you're saying? Well, Ham did the wrong, but Cain seems to be cursed. And well, Canaan, it's, I Cain, thought you just said Canaan. Uh, Canaan. Yes, Canaan. Canaan. Oh, I'm getting confused between Ham and uh, Canaan. Who's Canaan. Shem, Ham, and Japheth are the three sons of Noah. Ham, Ham is the one that did the wrong. But then you just said Canaan. Yeah, well, his son. That's, that's his right. son no, of Canaan Ham. Canaan is the son of Ham. Yes, okay. correct. All right, all right. And this is one of those things that always seems to confuse people because it says, "No, it says, cursed is Canaan, slave of slaves, he shall be to his brother." Now, if Ham had done the wrong, one of the things people ask themselves is, well, why is the, his grandson, Canaan, getting cursed? He's not. He's making the realization about Ham. The same thing that happened back with Cain when he wasn't taught by his daddy, Adam, is the same thing that goes on and on. The fathers do not teach the children. He's not saying, and nowhere does Noah say, I am cursing Canaan. He says, Canaan is cursed. Why? Because Ham disrespected his father Noah, and therefore he'll raise his child, Ham will raise his child, Canaan, to disrespect everybody. And it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jerome? I'm I, I'm hearing this for the first time. I've not heard this particular slant or uh, on things is that uh, is that is this new to you or or is this something that you've this kind of particular approach is that no I, I have I have studied this before as a matter of fact I 
I have been studying the, the scriptures for probably close to 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this is, uh, again, looking at the text, looking at the structure of it, and it, it, tells, a, it tells a narrative, and, and the narrative has to be explained. And it's interesting that, that all, this is something that you might as well, you may know as well, and that all the descendants of Cain, Abel's brother, all of them died in the flood. Only the descendants of Seth, Seth. which was the, which was the the son that came after Abel, mm-hmm. uh, the God gave them Seth. It was about a hundred years after Abel had died that Seth now comes into the picture. It's only his descendants, uh, those those people who had a connection with uh, with the, the Creator, mm-hmm. and so uh, and Noah was a descendant, and Noah says they found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was and, a descendant of that godly lineage, right? Of that of, Seth, of the Seth of Seth, uh, the lineage of Seth, yes, yeah. Of Seth, and so those are the only ones that survived the flood. Those eight people mm-hmm. that were in uh, that were in the ark, uh, it was the lineage of Seth. And so they're the ones, and then, you know, Canaan did pay. Uh, he did pay that, that final price where none of his uh, lineage uh, continued on because they did not want to follow God, and they, they rose up in rebellion against him. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, uh, a father has to be able to teach and instruct their children if they're going to want to continue in, in, in being blessed. And, but what's interesting, again, is that is the descendants, of this that we come to now Abraham, which I think is the focal point uh, of all creation. This whole book of Genesis, Mm -hmm. if most evangelicals, Sophie, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then they jump to Matthew 1, 1. They bypass the whole rest of the Bible because they think God's plan is just strictly uh, one, two, and yeah. three, and the fall of man, and that uh, now the the woman's going to have a seed, and the seed's going to restore everything. Mm-hmm. But they realize, uh, wait a minute, you're you're missing the bulk of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that bulk of the Bible is God's personal relationship with the family, yes. and God put His mark, His mark on 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 this family, and He hyphenated His name to this particular family, and it says that uh, that. This man, Abraham, came, and he believed God, and, and God says that uh, you go to this land, uh, and you go to this place, and I will bless you. I will give you this land, and those that bless you, I will bless, and those that curse you, I will curse. Yes. And, and, and it's very interesting that there's two Hebrew words for the word curse. There's the word kalal and the word amor. And, and for the word curse, and you don't see it in English because you don't, uh, uh, you know, understand uh, unless you know the language. And kalal means if you do, uh, the Hebrew word kalal means if you do a slight thing, if you just do something very trivial, he says that is considered a curse. But he says that God's response is the word amor, which means putting down the hammer of punishment. So if you do something trivial to the family of Abraham, I'm going to put the hammer down on you for doing it. God uses two different words because now God says, I'm going to have a personal relationship with a family that I'm going to minister not only to his spirit, but I'm going to minister to his flesh Mm -hmm. by giving him the land of Israel, the land of the Holy Land of the Bible. And this story of Israel is, is the whole message of the Bible. 
And we yes. have to be able to understand it and study it to know the plan of God of the of the final restoration. He, he gave to Abraham, he gave to them his laws to Moses at Sinai and so on, and in and in the land. Right? Is that the idea? Am I adding something? He gave. He there? gave. This is what. Let's take this a, is what let's, he gave Abraham. He Abraham. He gave him this covenant. Uh-huh. The covenant was he he put into his flesh the mark of circumcision. It says this is a, a a mark of between me and you. So that's number one. He gave Abraham that, mm-hmm. and he gave him the land. Now he gave mm-hmm. him those two things. The 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 actual Torah and so forth came. Later. As an afterthought, but mm-hmm. that was not the covenant relationship that he had with Abraham. He renewed the covenant with him. And so there's, you know, this is an amazing story. So if you study Israel, you study the Middle East, and you study what, what happens, you're not going to understand what's going to happen in, in history unless you look at and understand in God's view and God's relationship with the people of Israel, because they preserve the Word of God. They preserve the Hebrew Scriptures for us. We are we are right. reading when we read the when we read the Hebrew scriptures we're reading the the Hebrew scriptures are God's love letters to Israel. God's love letters are to Israel, and when we read them, we're actually reading somebody else's mail because uh, Jerome, they weren't some given to us. People are going to think that you're uh, Jewish. You're, uh, are, are I am you not. Jewish? I am not. I am not. Yeah. And, uh, but here's, the, here's the, what the, I want to say. Let's ex- can we look at Abraham? Abraham? Abraham later. Let's look at him for a minute. For a while, he didn't have any children. We all know that. But he had his nephew. And his nephew breached. Lot. Lot was his name, right? Lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lot breached. He brought him with him. But Lot breached the covenant. He didn't follow the laws that Abraham evidently had. Uh, then, later, he had a son. Uh, Ishmael. Ishmael. And he didn't either. So he ends up having Jacob, which is the, uh, from the lineage, as you say. Isaac, he, right? Jacob. Uh, Isaac, 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 Isaac and Jacob. And then, okay. Because yeah, the 12 tribes come okay. from Jacob. And, uh, but he also has Eleazar. And he... His servant or his uh, valet or his... Well, he, he was a runaway slave. Mm-hmm. And Abraham bought his freedom, mm-hmm. paid, paid, got him free. Now, let's if you compare. And he this, was in the lineage. He was in the line to inherit from Abraham. If Abraham didn't have a son, correct? Well, Abraham right? was hoping that was not the case. Right. But the point is, is that he had a nephew. He had one son, and they're related to them, and they didn't carry it on. But when he did have a son that did carry it on. And then you have the other stranger, Eleazar, who did also carry it on. So you can have one that's your child, and you can have somebody that joins with you that's also accepted. But on the other hand, you can have a nephew. You can have one son that doesn't. Mm -hmm. So they're not in that covenant. So we're learning something interesting about Abraham. And Abraham. Well, this this whole book of Genesis, uh, uh, Jacob, is amazing in the beginning of it because this is the beginning of God's plan, and and it centers around the nation of Israel, and that is why I'm such a an avid lover of the Hebrew Scriptures and the lover of the of of the Hebrew of the Jewish people because God is going to 
reestablish, and believe it or not, the, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel after 2,000 years is a miracle of God. Mm-hmm. And, and the very survival of the Jewish people after, uh, after 3,000 years of being scattered all over the world and still surviving uh, as a people, again, is all based on the plan that God started in Genesis chapter 12. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, very good, he says, he says, I want to follow, I want to follow and be in, in Jesus's footsteps. Because what, what Paul says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 8, he says, Jesus Christ, who was the servant of the Jews. And he said, I looked at that text and said, why does it say that? He says, for the fulfillment of the promise given to the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And that promise is that, that I will bless those people who bless you, that through the seed of Abraham shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Mm-hmm. And we know that happens, that both Jews, Paul says, both Gentiles and both Jews will call upon the name of the one God. And that would be the fulfillment of that whole promise of God restoring the world through this family and through the seed of that family. So I think that the more we learn about the Hebrew Scriptures and we learn more we learn about God's relationship with his personal relationship with the Hebrew people and that he has never, ever rejected his covenant with them. It's an everlasting, perpetual, unbroken covenant. And we cannot really understand the Hebrew Scriptures until we understand God's relationship that he has with the, the nation of Israel, whether you're studying Genesis. Let me throw a few dates in here to make this thing sort of fit together. Noah, actually, Abraham actually knew Noah for 68 years. All you've got to do when you look at the ages, he actually knew Abraham for 68 years. Now, Methuselah uh, died within seven days of the flood happening. Mm-hmm. Now, Methuselah knew Adam. You know what Methuselah means, the word Methuselah? Why don't you share? I believe, if I understand it, to mean uh, when he dies. When he dies. So God was book-paging, the, you know, bookmarking right. the time when I'm now, going to bring about judgment. Now, he, the flood began mm-hmm. when Methuselah died. So, the longest-lived man in, in, that we have record on. And there's a, there's a reason. Yeah, and there's yeah. a reason the story puts that together that way. Mm-hmm. So Methuselah knew Adam. Mm-hmm. Abraham knew Noah, but Abram, Abraham knew Methuselah for a couple hundred years. And this is interesting. When, so when they, and within seven days, Methuselah dies. Now, we can only assume that all that information was given to Noah and probably these other people. Mm-hmm. The other people said, no, we don't, we don't want it. It wasn't just negligent. It was mm-hmm. intentional. But Noah and his family, but if you catch what's going on, what did Noah do different than uh, Cain, than mm-hmm. Ham, than Canaan? Uh, Canaan? Mm-hmm. He, it says he was righteous in his generations, his children. He taught them. It's the fathers who are at fault, and the fathers are not teaching. But I will tell you, Noah is the first child born after the death of Adam. Mm -hmm. So God did not leave some connection to go on through posterity. I remember giving you that book of all the genealogies and the generations. And that is something, uh, Jerome, I know that you would appreciate as well, that 
sometimes when we uh, read the scriptures, the, and the, particularly the book of Genesis, the early generations and uh, the genealogies given there, is that we don't we we don't take into account the fact that many of these lives lives did indeed overlap. That Abraham did know Noah, that he did hear his message, that he, uh, and I think it is a. It is an aspect of our study of the word that that is not very often uh, stressed, particularly in the Gentile world. I think uh, the Jewish people have a lot more respect for and emphasis on the genealogies, uh, and uh, and I think it's it's good. I'm so blessed that they did because when you understand that overlapping of these it, generations, it's a, it's it, a dirty job if somebody's got to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but when you understand that overlapping of these generation of these major characters in the biblical narrative you begin it it makes a lot more sense than that just some kind of willy-nilly this happened and then this guy came along a hundred years later and then this happened and they become disjointed and separate instead of seeing them as a continual narrative of god's revelation of himself to the human race uh, through through these men and women that's that's uh, that's why i see i'm i'm purely and absolutely gentile but uh, one of the things I've learned from reading the scriptures is to see that narrative of what God is attempting to do in, with and in and through the human race is that he is bringing, calling out of the human race a people for himself. I will be their God. They now, will be my people. You know, and here's an interesting thing. Now, I know all the stories we all do about angels in chapter 6 supposedly marrying human women. We all know those stories. Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest those are wonderful fictional stories. Actually, the word Nephilim means, means to cause to fall. It's plural. It's got an M. It's plural. Where? Hey, Jerome, are you there? I'm still here. Okay. Where does the word Neph uh, Nephilim first appear in the Bible before Nephilim? I do not know. Ah, may I share? Sure. Okay. It's Cain. In the English, we go back and God says to Cain, why are you, why is your countenance fallen? Fallen is the singular nephal. Mm, that's so right. What you got to so right. know that f falling is not some angel marrying people. It's somebody that fell away from God. So these other descendants, as you point out correctly, that the descendants of Canaan, they were the people that got away from God, made the, up their the own fallen, gods, had yeah. other rules. And why? Because they learned the disrespect of Noah by Ham's action, and he failed to teach his children. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually, we know that, that when that word appears, the first guy that did it, God says to him, why has your countenance fallen? The word is nafal. Mm -hmm. That's singular. So he's the first nafal, and then when everybody does it, it's plural, and they're Nephilim. The fallen uh, of humanity. Yeah, that's yeah. right, because they walked away, they fell mm -hmm. away from God. And it says that the children of God, evidently there was some intermarriage between those who followed God and those who did not. Well, the descendants of Seth, and it as, talks as about, Jerome yeah. points out. That, no, uh, I mean in Genesis 6, I am, where it says... Uh, uh, yes. The and children of God are the intermarried, of daughters of God uh -huh. but, intermarried. Mm -hmm. And the sons of God are really the people that were following mm -hmm. God's laws. All right. All right. So, so as I see it, guys, uh, you know, Abraham and why it's so critical, uh, I, I always like to say because 
for God so loved the world that he sent Abraham. Uh, and, and, and he did it in this way, in this way, Sophie, and that is, he did. He didn't say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the wisest person to choose, and or I'm gonna get the most spiritual man uh, to choose." Because if he wanted to pick, maybe pick the most spiritual man, when that had, it was really, really special, he could have gotten Melchizedek. You know, he could have chose mm-hmm. him, but he didn't. He chose this guy from Ur the Chaldees, and he went and he went and he followed uh, uh, the Lord, and and he then says, "I'm gonna make a covenant with you." And this covenant is between your seed and my seed. My, not, they're now going to be called by my name and part of my family. And so this is why that even today, as we see the plan of God working out, he's working it through uh, the nation of Israel and how they have survived. And now Jesus himself was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself was circumcised well, Jerome, on the uh, We're getting the high sign, so I guess we're going to have to let you go here. Thanks right. for calling in, brother. That was very, very helpful. helpful. I, I want to call in next week. I'm going to have a guest with me that you'll really find. He's one of my good friends that uh, you'll love him. He's an Israeli teacher, All right. a Hebrew teacher. You'll love him. We'll love to hear from him. Thank you for calling. All right. Take care, guys. Have a well, there you are. We come to another break. Don't go away. 210-340-9585 if you'd like to join us here on the program. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Healing rain is coming down, is coming nearer to this old town. Rich and poor, weak and strong, it's bringing mercy. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. It's coming down. It's coming closer to the lost and found. All right, we're talking about uh, the book of Genesis and leading up to the great flood that we'll be introducing and talking about. What chapter that comes in about chapter um, 7, right? There under Noah, we've kind of brought up... Through this time. Now, what we're going to try to do in this segment is kind of trace through and walk through those chapters of Genesis, chapters 1 through 21. Now, if you're not listening, uh, we, we, well, we're not, <laughs> we, we've, normally we read through the scriptures every, every year, Monday through Friday. Um, we're not able to do that now again this year, but we will be covering those same, uh, chapters of the Bible. So if you want to, this week we're focusing on chapters 1 through 21 of the book of Genesis, and we've kind of given a little bit of, of an overflow overview of these first chapters, the, the origins, the creation of the, the world, and so on. And then we got into Adam and Eve and the, the fall of man into sin, uh, Cain and Abel, Seth was given. And we see this this initial division between those who would in the human race who would follow after God, love God, acknowledge God, honor God, desire God, and those that did not who would reject God. And so that we see that going on even to this day, these times, and and the, that really sums up the the biblical narrative in a sense is that God is calling out of the human race. 
uh, from every tribe, every generation, every language, every tongue, every people group. Uh, he's calling out a people for himself, those who would love him. Paul talks in the book of Romans that there are two kinds, those who are selfward, human beings that are selfward. We want our own plan, our own way. We'll create our own gods, our own religions, our own systems, uh, and, and those who acknowledge the true and living God, the creator, and seek to honor him and obey God, uh, um, th- those two groups. That's what Paul talks about in, in the book of Romans, chapters 1 and 2. And so we see that process beginning here in the book of Genesis. God is calling out a people for himself. They will be my people. I, I, I will be their God. They will be my people. And we see the ups and downs and those that choose not and those that choose yes. And God puts together some systems here in the book of Genesis that are going to guide and have a heavy influence on the human race. And, uh, uh, Jacob, anytime I'm going to jump, maybe I can get us to chapter 12, and I want you to start with Abraham and there and start and, and take it from there. Uh, all I would say is that we have two very important principles that we want to check out in, in Genesis, these early chapters. God told Adam and Eve once they had uh, – uh, they had fallen into sin, so they, their instructions were to be fruitful and multiply and spread out over all the earth. And what does those words mean? Be fruitful and multiply and spread out over what all the earth. What does fruitful and multiply mean? I, I just think it means for them to uh, have so children to grow, the human no, race to grow no, and expand. It, no, well, fruitful is have children. Oh, yay. That's what I said. Didn't yes, I say but that? multiply is something different. Okay. Multiply is to teach them God's laws right from wrong. All right. So that, I, have I, kids, but teach them. Don't have a much of a problem with that at all. That so, sounds good. Well, that, that, but, that's consistent. But, with the but I'm just saying, my focus is on the idea that it was God's plan to, for the human race to spread out over all the earth, uh, which they, they uh, evidently did not do. They either didn't spread out and multiply, or they didn't teach how to follow God. Because um, by chapter six and seven, we see that all the earth, all of humanity, was following after self. They were not following God. They were they were rejecting God, except for this one family: Noah and his wife, his three sons, and their wives. And so, evidently, as you said, Noah did teach his sons uh, correctly. I, I do have a question about that concept, but but they they okay. So by that time they spread, they and they did not spread out. All they were staying together. Well, uh, so then God brought judgment, the flood on all the human race, and started over again with Noah and his wife and the three uh, sons and their wives, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives. And so once again, though, he tells Noah, spread out and multiply. Just uh, and whatever the other emphasis is that it meant that he God intended for them to spread out. Uh, he wanted them to be different, separate people groups. Some people would grow up and live in the mountains. Some would live in the plains. Some in the deserts. Some would live on islands. Some would live on the beach. Some would live in the, in other words, there would be different people groups, and they would develop different uh, cultures and different uh, foods and different languages. Uh, there, there would be different uh, competing, in a sense, people groups, and. It is my belief that that was God's intent was so that the sin nature that was now present in the human race would have a a, a mitigating factor, a, 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 a 
something going on that would mitigate the the dis- disastrous destructive results of sin sin had brought them to the flood the universal flood that destroyed brought judgment on the whole race now though there would be different competing people groups and when one sinful group rose up to take over and empower themselves over others another sinful group would rise up to oppose them and there might be a war between those two groups, but the whole race wouldn't fall into condemnation. Uh, and so the idea is that God put into place here a, a check a check and a balance on the sinful nature now present in the human race. And when they did, they still refused. It said all the people look in chapter 11 <coughs> with the Tower of Babel. And when they still refused to spread out intentionally, uh, purposefully, and if you read the, the chapter there about the Tower of Babel, you see that. They, it was a conscious decision. Don't spread out. Let's not spread out because we'd become divided. Let's build this tower that if God sends a flood, we could still escape from it in this tower uh, and uh, and so on. So they were, again, a conscious rejection of what God intended for them. And so God confused their language and caused them and forced them to separate and to spread out over the earth, which this is a... Uh, as I look at the scripture, it seems to me this is what was going on there. <coughs> it seems to make sense. Excuse me. So that brings us up then to uh, now we have the nation groups and people groups. Uh, the human race is not going to be under judgment again, to under flood and, and, and total destruction. But still that decision is being made about who's going to follow after God and who isn't and so on. And then it comes out. At that point, we stop dealing with the whole human race as a whole. Uh, up to the chapter 11, and then we we home in on an individual named Abraham, uh, who Abram in the beginning, and his family lived in um, uh, what what uh, Ur. Ur, yes, and his father uh, told they lived there, and then he told his father goodbye or something. He had he was called of God to go to a land that I will show you. And he left why? from them, and he went to. Why? You were going to tell us that? Oh, no, you got to tell us uh, why he why? went. Why? Why did God pick Abraham? <clears throat> well, uh, Abraham obviously was one who loved God, honored God. He was one of God's people, uh, uh, the godly people, uh, and his but, family. Where, uh, how do we know? And that? he chose him because he obeyed God. He did what God told him to do. He trusted God and obeyed Him. And he left his family, and he went to this land he didn't know anything about. Went up over the uh, what? What is um, up Tigris River, Euphrates, up in that land, and then he came down south to what we presently now know as the land of Israel. Right. So he left Ur of the Chaldees, went uh, up over the. Well, at first he go, he makes three different fertile crescent. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to yeah, think of. He goes the first. He goes down to Pharaoh and to Egypt, and he leaves with wealth. Right. A lot of people criticize him because... Uh, but he went through Israel to get to Egypt, right? No, he ends up going back. What he's doing is, the answer is yes, ultimately. But what you're watching is, when the transactions he goes and he mm-hmm. buys pieces of land of where he builds his altars, you're laying out the physical boundaries of Israel. Okay. So he's, he said, I'm going to give you land. So Abraham's So he makes marking. that journey. He goes up over the Fertile Crescent. Uh, his his uh, Is it his brother Laban? What is Laban to him? His no, nephew? It's a, it's a, like an uncle. Up, Okay. He leaves them, and he comes on down, and I, sus- I guess he goes through what we would know as Canaan on his way to Egypt, right? And then he comes back from Egypt back up into 
Is that called Canaan at that time? Yeah, he goes through that. And uh, I don't want to get all tied up in all that stuff because people f- don't pay attention. They get bored and they go on. Mm-hmm. But, yes, he goes to three different places more than once Sarah's kidnapped. Will you take it from there? And we, in other words, Abraham obeys God and goes. He leaves his uh, family and he goes to the to the new land. And uh, you you take it from there. Well, what happens is God's in the, in the end of chapter 13, God mm-hmm. has made a promise to Abraham. Right? Okay. And uh, he says at the end of 13, the promise is, uh, I will make, it's verse uh, 13, 16, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so no one can count the dust of the earth. Then your offspring, too, can be counted. Then you, if somebody could count the dust, they could count the uh-huh. offspring. Huh? And you arise, walk about the land through the length and the breadth. For this I will give it to you. And Abraham moved his tent, and he came, and he dwelt in the plains of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to God. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about that, later on, he says, uh, I'm sorry, I'm flipping over here to chapter 15. Now, Abraham is with Lot at this point, his nephew. Lot they, is traveling with him, yes, right? Yes, but they end up separating. Mm-hmm. Lot. I, this is important. We don't have. I'm not going to go to all right now. But mm-hmm. Lot so disavows Abram and his teachings, whatever they is being taught, mm-hmm. that he doesn't teach his children because even his daughters lay with him and they get pregnant and they have mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Incest. Well, one of those children later on is the one in the Bible that introduces child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you don't teach your children or teach everybody to do this. Chapter 13 there you talked about in 14, uh, Lot is traveling with them. They separate. Lot goes into Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and, or into Sodom, and then... Um, Abram continues there in the plains uh, of of Canaan, right? Of what we call Canaan, what we know, mm-hmm. what would become the land of Israel. Later on it will be. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, the, for the very first time, we're introduced to a new word. It's in chapter 14, mm-hmm. and it's verse 13. Mm-hmm. And it says, Then there came a fugitive and told Abram, the Ervi, you know what that is? Uh, um, what does it say in your version? One of Lot's men escaped. Uh, some people attack them and take Lot as a captive. Yeah, but, 14, but one of his 14, men 13, escaped. What is I'm, I'm reading it now. One of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living ah. near the oak grove belonging okay. to Mamre the Hebrew, Amorite. The word uh, for the first time, we see that Abram is a Hebrew. Okay. And why is that important? Because I don't it, know. Because uh, a Hebrew has a meaning, and it means the people on the other side. Not just the other side of the river, but on the other side. In other words, they're on God's side. On God's side. That's interesting. All right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and so there we. So Lot gets take, captured, and, and Abraham has to be a, a soldier. He goes out and battles and he wins does. And as his far as I back. know, it's about the only time he conducts a war. Mm-hmm. But... And then 15, and verse 
15, 5, mm-hmm. we have this thing come up again. God says, 15, 5, uh-huh. and he took him outside because Ab- Abram's talking. He says, look, you told me I was going to have all these descendants. And I don't, and I don't have even a, have a child. I don't here. have a child. All I got is my servant, this guy I redeemed for being a slave, uh, his, and his, Eleazar. Well, in 15.5, after he's complained, God responds. He says, and he took him outside. God took uh-huh, him outside uh-huh. and said, gaze now toward the heavens. Count the stars if you will be able to count them. And he said to them, so shall be your offspring. And and he trusted in God, and he reckoned him to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, that's where later on in the New Testament, Paul writes about the word he, faith is what they call it in the New Testament. But the point is, there are two things that are going on. Sometimes God says, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. Can't count them. Or your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. Can't count them. So numerosity, the numbers, the amount is not the issue. If the if they follow the Torah, the laws of God, they will be like the stars and they'll be still be numerous, but they'll be in the sky. And they'll shine. But if they don't follow the Torah, they will be still numerous, but they'll be like the sand and people will walk on them. Isn't that neat? No, yeah, it is. It is. Now we we skipped a, a a character that we meet in the book of Genesis that later on takes on a prominence. We see Abraham and Lot. Abram and Lot uh, uh, there. We we uh, Abram chases after and, and rescues his uh, nephew Lot from this army group and so on. And then he, as he returns, he meets this individual. Um, Melchizedek, or I think you could say a different way in Hebrew. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Melech Zedek. Melech Zedek, and it means... Um, King of righteousness. Okay, he is a priest of God, most high. Uh, it tells us, brought Abram some bread and wine, and Melchizedek blesses Abram with this blessing. And then, uh, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. What, what verse so somebody can follow that? If they Chapter want to look 14, at. verse uh, 19. Okay. And then it says, Abram gave Melchizedek, um, oh, the name you said, that's right, that's okay. a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Uh, and so that is prominently brought back, it mentioned in the New Testament, when we move uh, many, many, many centuries later, uh, this lineage, this priesthood of Melchizedek uh, is mentioned. It precedes, of course, the priesthood of, uh, of um, Moses, Aaron and, and the Levitical priesthood later Some on that we will find out. Some people want to make an issue of what you just read because it seems uh, Malach. Zedek, or mm-hmm, Melchizedek, mm-hmm. if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he blesses Abram before God. Mm-hmm. He says, blessed be Abram. But if we look at the sentence structure, it says, bless is blessed, mm-hmm. is Abram of God. Most high. Mm-hmm. But it's so when some people make a big issue about Abraham's getting blessed before God by this guy, mm-hmm. then it's it's because he's saying, he's naming him. But it's blessed be Abram by God most high. That's right. Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemy. But but I, I just wanted to mention that as a character because that'll come up later. Uh and he meets this in 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 uh Abram Abram here gives to him a tithe uh, uh of his uh, How much? uh what he got 
ten uh, percent of what wow. he got from the from the battle that now, rescued Lot. Where did he get that idea? Uh, I assume maybe somewhere God told him that. I don't know. Ah. I, I'm guessing. And because um, we don't have a the, record of it, I don't think, right? Not prior or, to. Okay. Some people look at extracurricular history and say, "Well, there were these other cultures that were doing that, and that's fine." Except I think it's reversed. I think this was going mm-hmm. on with God and His people, and the other cultures picked it up. And then you picked up in chapter 15 where this covenant, the Lord's promise to Abram, that to to be a blessing. Now. Uh, okay, do you want to go from there? You, you, then, and Abram then has, uh, well, of course, brought, he's got Eliezer. Since you brought up Lot, everybody knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh-huh. All right, so Lot, it says, he says he sat in the gates. When you go back and read in Genesis, uh-huh, it says uh-huh. he sat in the gates. What that means is he wasn't just a guy that just happened to live there now. He was, was a leader. He was a right? judge. He was the mayor, the judge. Mm-hmm. He sat in the gates because that was the seat of authority. So he became one of the top guys in there. And yet he still had enough redeeming qualities. He was trying to save those strangers who were angels. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he didn't teach his children right. You raise your kids in a bad neighborhood, and they may become bad people. The daughters did not know any better than to do what they had learned in that culture. They slept with their dad. Mm-hmm. And we know that one of those the children become the first person that introduces child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the idea was in the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture, you never, ever, ever do a human sacrifice. Never. So, right. so what happens is, how does that get changed? Because he left the teachings of Abram, Abraham, and he left the teachings of God. Evidently, from what I think we understand is, that the holder of teaching God's laws at that point was Abraham. And right. so and and so Lot left that. He sat in the gates and they made a rule because it says everybody wanted to come out and know the angels. In other words, rape them, mm-hmm. rape them, huh? Well, but they're selling. We know in the book of Kings how they made their living. They made their living by what we could call oil today or tar, asphalt. Mm-hmm. It was very, very important. In fact, that's what they actually used to build the Tower of Babel later. Mm-hmm. So we know that's important, and yet they have to have customers to do that. So why would they make a law that, uh, that they're going to rape these guys? It's because they passed a law that said they could come and do business, but they could not move and live there. They had to be gone at sunset at night. You know, come and live, but be gone by sundown. Mm-hmm. Because if you stayed, you're going to camp there, and you're going to want to share the wealth. You're going to start saying, well, I'm living here. I got an interest in this. So you could come and buy, but you had to leave. So the real sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was they implemented these homosexual rape things in order to terrify people so they would not move there. It was all about greed and money Mm -hmm. and oil Mm -hmm. and tar. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, and that carried out. There's another passage, I think, even in Ezekiel, that talks about the real sin of Solomon and Gomorrah is greed and not taking care of the poor, not being uh, generous and so on. But before we run out of time, we're just getting to... um, uh, Abraham at this point doesn't have a child, so the first uh, line of inheritance would be this servant, Eleazar. Uh, and, but then uh, Ishmael is born from his servant uh, named Hagar. Uh, he takes Sarah's uh, servant and, and has a child with her, 
trying to help God out with his plan. You know, God told him he's going to have a child, so I got to help God out. Evidently, I can't do it, but, and that creates problem because Ishmael becomes the father of uh, another race. God does bless, and in, 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 indeed, through him, but they become a competing race, not following after God. And then God gives them. Uh, when Abraham, I think, is well over 99, over 100, perhaps, God gives him a son with his wife, Sarah. Uh, Abraham, Isaac would be his name, uh, meaning laughter. And that's where we get up to uh, the, prom, uh, the chapters 18, 19, 20. Sodom and Gomorrah is, is uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. And then we're going to see then the birth of Isaac and the moving now of this this covenant relationship from Adam I'm I'm sorry from Abraham to Isaac and in 20 and 21 Mm -hmm. we start the story about Abimelech Mm -hmm. which means is my father the king Mm -hmm. Uh, he again kidnaps Sarah Abimelech is more of a title than a name right yeah Mm -hmm. so what's going on why do these people want to keep kidnapping Sarah is it Rebecca you're talking Sarah more oh. than once, Sarah oh, gets kidnapped. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. And in Evidently, she's quite beautiful, I guess. One Is reason. that the only right? reason? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Or is there something larger Don't ask here? me a question. Tell me the answer. Uh, okay. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, we've only got a minute yeah, or so. Yeah, it's only got a minute. But, so anyway, but it's something else that's going on. Abraham is going down, and the holder of all future generations is in the body of Sarah. So uh-huh. I guess we're out of time. We'll pick up there. Well, okay. Well, maybe we will. We'll pick up there next week. uh, Anyway, so uh, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. We're making our way through the scriptures. We'll pick up there this coming week in the chapters 21 through. Where's your questions from next week? Uh, Next week? I put them all. Okay. Well, just finish out the book of Genesis if you want to read that. 36. 21 to 36, and we'll discuss it all next week here on The Bible Live. Have a great evening. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.